So I'm dropping them, and every time I go to set a new one up, and um, she looks at me and she goes, you're pretty horrible at this, <laughs> you know, out of a six-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I didn't go to school like your dad did for it, you know, and everything. We're laughing. And then it's funnier after that. Then she looks at me, and it's like maybe 20 seconds later, and she goes, yeah, I don't think you went to school at all, <laughs> you know. Ouch. And so Caleb's like dying laughing. He's like, that's my daughter, you know. <laughs> Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. Hey everyone, I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 57 of Terminal Exchange, the purpose-driven podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. In case you haven't already heard, Nussbaum was just named the best overall fleet to drive for by the TCA and Carrier's Edge. This is the second year in a row that Nussbaum has received this distinction, and in my opinion, this is one of the biggest honors we can receive as a company. It says so much about the people and programs we have in place that make Newsbomb such a great place to work. Thank you to all of our people for doing your part to own it, going above and beyond, and helping each other out. You guys really are the best. And I think that idea of owning it and helping people is a perfect segue into this week's feature exchange. Kirsten Gee has been owning it since the moment she started working at Newsbomb. As you'll hear in our conversation, Kirsten goes above and beyond all the time to help out her coworkers, whether she's on the clock or not. Her love and compassion for people really is something special. Now, we're unpacking quite a bit with Kirsten in the next 50 minutes or so, so let's get right to it. Here is Girl on a Rock, Kirsten Gee. Kirsten Gee, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? A little good. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be nervous. Okay. This is It's just you and me and the hundreds of thousands of people that are listening. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> no, I think we've got 20 listeners at least, so oh, it cool. won't be too That's bad. Awesome. And you probably know them all yeah, already. Probably. And most of them know you as well, mm-hmm. uh, most likely from your work overnight, third shift uh, in operations. Correct. That's a fun shift, right? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure the drivers appreciate that now that they've gotten used to having that availability. Um, Chris Coleman works as kind of your counterpart. Yes. Uh, so the way your schedules work out, basically we have seven days a week coverage mm-hmm. uh, over the night. So we essentially have 24-7 yeah. ops mm-hmm. availability yes, sir. one way or another. So you want to just tell me, describe a little bit about what you kind of do during that time period? Because- I'm not even super familiar myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come when I started. I was an ops, and I actually handled weekend dispatch on call stuff. And I know how that kind of went. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I got the wake ups at like one, two a.m. in the morning. So I'm sure you got a lot of the stuff through the middle of the night. But how's that kind of working? What are you doing during that time? So um, mainly, so we work six p.m. to six a.m. and Dave's there with us till midnight. So the first two three hours is. Just phone calls back to back, trying to resolve mm-hmm. um, just issues that are coming up. Um, you, they can't even train you for some of the stuff that has come up, but <laughs> right. you know, some are as simple as, "Hey, can you send me my pre-assignment?" Or mm. others are, um, you know, more complex. Like this place is closed. What do I do? I have a pre-assignment. It's going to mess up, you know, the next twelve hours, basically. Um, so handling those, trying to reach out to brokers or customers or 
solving all of those problems. And then um, as the phones start calming down, um, we uh, Chris's I and I's main um, focus the rest of the night on top of the phone calls and trying to resolve issues or, or um, repower loads, things like that, is watching the Han and GE loads. Um, Han, depending on what night it is, we can have, you know, three or four to um, a dozen a night that we need to um, watch to make sure they're getting up and going um, and making sure they're on time. And then the GE loads are, uh, I'd say, probably around 20 or so a night. I don't know the exact figures. Um, And we have to send an update to GE in this chart once before midnight and then once before our shift ends, like before 6 a.m. And all of those mostly run overnight. So there are nights that are super smooth and then there are nights where – you know, the GW shut down and what do I do? And I'm backed up in traffic, <laughs> oh, you know? So yeah. one of those runs out in Perryville, Maryland. So it's all East coast. And, um, those, those guys are awesome. They're just a different breed. They, some of the stuff they do in trucks, I'm like, I don't want to be out there in my car, you know? So, <laughs> um, and then the other ones in Louisville, Kentucky, and they all, you know, start really early as well. Just sure. a lot of the deliveries are six, 7 AM Eastern time. Um, so that's mainly, and then all between that, um, there's a few select hours at night where I'll do detention requests. I'll do okay. um, clean up all of total mail, any driver directions that the drivers send in. Oh, nice. I'm actually yeah. filtering those into file maintenance. That way, the next driver who goes there has that information. I also do um, all their, the transflow. Um, when they transflow stuff in, I help out accounting um, Tian and, um, I'm not sure who all is doing it since Avis left, but I'm um, not even completely sure myself. So. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So anyway, I do, um, I do batch cruncher. That's the program it mm-hmm. feeds into. So I run through those, um, and then, um, trailer gaps that those have always been on my plate. So now I'm like a wizard at them. <laughs> I'm going to take a moment here on trailer gaps uh-huh. and yeah, a trailer gap. It's kind of weird how that, how those work, mm-hmm. but that's basically when, you have a trailer that shows up here at a certain point mm-hmm. and there's no record of it going from a previous point to get Correct. there. Correct, right? yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually a matter of something not being entered in properly yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. in the system. Is that more on internal end or is that driver end or is it kind of a little bit of both? Um, probably uh, it's more driver end. Um, sometimes it's as simple as they've just um, transposed two numbers or mm. you know something like that. Yeah. Or sometimes if their link freezes up and they, they start a deadhead, to go to their next customer. They really have a trailer with them, but the, the computer system sometimes will just air that out as a bobtail. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and actually since we've moved from people net to link, there've been way, way less. Is that better um, now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and then also the driver managers now are connected to which driver created the gap. So I think they're hitting them a little too during no. the day. And then it will totally phase out because I guess we're getting, GPS stuff on the trailers. Right. That'll yeah. So help even more. Yeah. Right? So. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, okay. Well, yeah. so your job, so that part's going to get easier now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I assume you've probably got some quote unquote regular customers that you, some yeah, regulars that you get to uh-huh. talk to. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. I, but uh, what are some of the more interesting things that you've had to deal with overnight? Oh man. Um, well, the one that first comes to mind is uh, we had a driver call me he says, I, I had to, I'm on the side of the interstate. I had to press the emergency, um, you know, camera button 
and can you see if it got it? He didn't tell me what happened or anything. And I said, yeah, you know, give me a couple minutes. Let's see if it loads. Cause a lot of times they don't load straight away, right. but because he had pressed the button, I think that helped it. I don't know. So I get on there and he's on the right side of the interstate traveling down the right lane. And in the left lane, this van gets in front of him kind of off to his, you know, left, but still in front of him. And this guy jumps out of the passenger side door and like rolls in front of him and he missed him. But the guy, you know, passed, we think he passed away according to the driver. But so I call the driver back and I go, you could have warned me, you know, you could have told me, you know, what I was going to be seeing, you know, but, um, at the time he thought that he was going to be okay. They life lighted him and stuff out of there. But I think the cops told him later that the guy passed away. So that's one of like the more crazy things that have happened. Wow. But yeah. So yeah. you just never know, you know, we have, we take things all from, you know, uh, you know, guy backed into me, you know, at the, right. um, you know, truck stop. And those are so weird. Even, uh, we've told safety, you know, we won't have one for three weeks. And then in one night we'll get like four of them, you uh, know? And so we're filling out when there's a full moon or yeah, no who knows? Or, yeah. Know. We should, we should start <laughs> looking at that. But yeah, so that's, that's a crazy one. Um, you know, I've had people, um, you know, call and a loved one has passed away or, you know, you know, grown man on the phone crying and you're trying to comfort him as well as say, okay, let's, you know, what can I do to get this guy home? You know, now, I'm an empath, so I kind of like, Dave, I got to go take a break, you know, and I might tear up or whatever, but, you know, it, it's, yeah. you know, it, you know, it's part of life, you know, there's joys and tragedies, and um, I can't imagine being on the road and having, you know, something like that occur, so I try to treat that with as much care as I, you know, one can without really, I mean, I can't help the situation particularly, except for to say, okay, how am I going to get this guy home, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. So now outside of work here, mm-hmm. um, now you've got kind of a interesting schedule doing this cause you're working 12 hour shifts. So yes. you're not doing like a five day a week thing. It's kind of a weird thing. And right. we won't even get into how <laughs> yeah. that actually works. Um, cause it's just, it's confusing. It hurts my head. Yeah. Um, but out, outside of work, I know just from my involvement with move it and everything that you've mm-hmm. in the past, anyway, you've, you've been involved in running, you ran a marathon, yeah. um, a couple years ago or something like that, mm-hmm. but has, has running and, and, you know, that kind of wellness and everything been kind of a part of you. Is that something um, newer? Or? Yeah. I grew up playing softball. So I played softball for 20 years. Um, and really when I was in high school, we had a coach who really pushed us, you know, I was a kid that hated to run and hated conditioning and, <laughs> and she really got us to a point um, where, you know, that's what builds you on and off the field, you know, then when I went to college, I was insistent. I told my friends, I said, you cannot let me gain the freshman 15 or whatever. So I, <laughs> I ran a lot in college. Plus, I didn't have a car, so I was walking everywhere, too. So I kept that up. Um, and then uh, two, well, it would have been two and a half years ago, um, I hadn't been doing anything. And I looked in the mirror and was like, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I'm like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to run a marathon. It always been on my bucket list. My mom ran one when she was in her forties. And, um, if you've ever even just been to one and witnessed one, she mm-hmm. ran the Chicago marathon, which I am like not about. Cause I don't like being around crowds or cities or anything. <laughs> she just watching her do it. And at the time when she said she was going to do it, you know, our whole family was like, yeah, okay. Like mom's never ran. Like, what is she thinking? But she did it. And like, everyone's crying at the finish line and all this stuff. And so since then that was in 2006, I, 
I've always just been, I've always kind of lived my life on a bucket list sort of deal anyway. So <laughs> I'm like marathons on it, you know? So I tried to do it in college, started training for it. And I hurt my foot playing intramural soccer. I had foot surgery. So that ended it then. Yeah. And then, so this just two and a half years ago or whatever, I'm like, this, this is going to be it. And so I trained and trained and, um, I actually found a place. Um, it's up in Ely, Minnesota. There was only 88 participants, and you run through the woods. <laughs> you and, really didn't want the crowd, did yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. It's a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, just place to run and be up there. So mm. um, I ran it up there, and I was like an hour slower than I wanted to be, and but I finished it. But um, it was, um, yeah, I don't think my legs have ever hurt that bad in my yeah. life. But um, I did it, and... So then I wanted to train last year to run and do it better. And then I tore my meniscus in my knee. So I haven't really done anything since then, Um, but it's still in my back of my mind. And now the pain from like finishing the first one is kind of like way back. I'm like, okay, I could do this again, you know? So anyway. It's it's numbed enough that you're you're okay Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's it's weird though, because you – you know, I thought I was training right and doing all this stuff, but it taught me a lot too. Like I had to walk some and I hit a wall and everyone talks about this wall and I'd never hit the wall before. So then to hit it while I was doing that, I'm like, I found the wall, you know, <laughs> but like, so cause tw- at 23 miles, I was like rough, like it was bad. And, um, but I finally, my mom was at there, she came and watched and they met me and you could like meet people as they're running along. And she gave me some ibuprofen. I never even thought of that. But once I took that, I could finish. I finished, I ran the rest of the way. Like it didn't hurt. And I'm like, Oh, I need to keep that in mind for next time. But it makes sense that I need to, cause all I did in training was run and really you need to strengthen your body in other ways. Mm -hmm. Like, core lifting right. or just stuff like that and i'm like oh do i want to put that amazing time how in. much actually really goes yeah, into I doing know. some like yeah, long distance that. running and yeah exactly mm-hmm. now so. for those that haven't put two and two together here as well so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm picturing your dad yes here as uh-huh. well so kirsten your dad is is troy mm-hmm. uh he he heads up our shop area yes. over there and you guys actually share a desk essentially yeah right? we do yeah but i i think i've had conversations with him and i i don't think he's uh big runner. Yeah. No, person. he and says I, he used to in college, but I've never known him in his adult life to be like a I, runner. I, It's yeah. not something I see him mm-hmm. participating in at this yeah, point. But. Yeah. No, no. So <laughs> he, um, he got into actually, um, he worked for Mitsubishi before they, mm-hmm. you know, closed. And, um, then before he got on here, it was maybe a year's time or so. And he got in, he did that Farrell's extreme body shape. Oh, yeah. and he got like in all this shape and stuff. And so he could do, like kickboxing, all that sort of stuff, but I don't oh. think he's ever. I don't. I don't know about the running part of it. Your dad comes across as such, just kind of a mild tempered, just kind of mm-hmm. even keeled mm-hmm. uh, individual. That mm-hmm. like, some of these things that you're saying, like, don't quite equate. Right. That for he, me. he was. He went to the Farrell's extreme or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was good for him. It was good for something for him to do and stuff too. And. um you know, except when you're job searching at, at his age at the time. I mean, that'd be terrifying to me. So just something probably kept him healthy, too, through that time mm-hmm. mentally um, of, you know, sure. how am I going to find a job? Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, totally get it. I yeah. mean, my my dad had the same sort of thing because he is a oh, Mitsubishi yeah. mm-hmm. as well, uh, except I think your dad was still there 
past uh, right. him, but uh, yeah, he hit that point and like, mm-hmm. now I'm searching for a job at however old. And yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. this is such a weird, you, you've been there for how many years? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a weird mm-hmm. state to be in, you know, and see your, your parent going through yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when, when it's like, because you, I was you were grown, grown at the time, yourself, yeah, right? and it's like I, you know I can't help help them, you know, um, but yeah, so now yeah. he's here and everything, yeah. life is good. <laughs> so this bucket list mm-hmm. that you mentioned, what else? What else is on there? Oh, well, and have you have you question. crossed off other lists, uh, other other um, items already? That's so I say bucket list, but I guess more of the idea of um, I just always want to live life to the fullest and adventure yeah. and stuff. Like I'm always yeah. up for adventure. I've been to Africa and Honduras and Canada and Mexico. And, um, I love to travel, um, love to just go and do different things. So I guess right now, the most like current one in my head, I want to see the redwoods. And I, I've, nice. I've been reading books about old growth forests and, um, I just want to get out to the Pacific Northwest and really check out some of that stuff. But here's another really crazy one. So the, the marathon that I ran, um, they also do a portaging, uh, portaging a canoe section. So like you, you carry canoe like you would out in the woods, but through the whole marathon and there's never been a female complete it. And it's the only one around. So like any guy that finishes it is like the world record holder. So, so wait, like, how long wait, are you carrying this thing for? 26 miles. No. Yeah. So a canoe? what, yes, a canoe. So like, there's still this thing in my head, but of like, well, if you did that, you know, you'd be a female world record holder carrying this canoe for 26 miles. But it's hard enough to do for like a mile in the woods. Like, so just running with one would be It's torture. hard enough to complete the 26 miles. Yes, that's very true. That <laughs> Without very anything, true. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How big of a canoe are we talking here? Well, like so kayakish they, or what? Um, well, so I have a solo canoe and it's about 32 pounds, but they make okay. some. I mean, they're really costly, but you could rent them. Like when I got up there, I could train with my heavy one. And then they rent them. They're all made of like um, Kevlar carbon and stuff. They can get down to like 20 pounds. So, so then there's this whole math thing in my head. I'm like, well, if I lose 20 pounds, it'd be like just, you know, running at the weight that I am now with a (laughs) canoe on my show, you know, just this whole just scenario. So that, I would say that is probably still on my bucket list. I'm imagining if you're running around Bloomington normal here training for this and you've yeah. got this canoe yeah, over your head I, or that's something. that's the other thing. I'm like, how would I train? People are going to think I'm weird. <laughs> what are you, what's that girl doing? <laughs> Especially 90 degree that's heat in the one summertime. Way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bizarre. That's for sure. So I guess that would be one on there too. My, another thing is like, I've really gotten into, um, like I, I go canoeing and fishing and stuff. And, um, I like the idea of like bushcrafting and, um, and so I watch all those shows like Alone and Naked and Afraid and all that stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if I could go on one of those shows. But So, so ex- explain to me this bushcrafting then. Mm-hmm. What, what? Okay, so bushcrafting I haven't really entered into. I, um, it's like going out with like no tools or, you know, maybe five tools or something and just living off the land and feeding yourself and being able to build a shelter and all those things. So I've, ne- I've not gotten to that point, but I do go out for 10 days or two weeks at a time with a pack and a tent and canoe, you know, modern gear mm-hmm. and a canoe. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I go up to the boundary waters or in Quitico, that's the Canadian side of it. And you, uh, portage from lake to lake and portaging is just 
you carrying your canoe or your pack or both. I do multiple. I always overpack, always. Like, I bring a full-size hairbrush out in the woods. Like, that's my <laughs> one-to, like, go-to item of, that's like, fun. that's my comfort item because, like, I, if anybody's tried to brush right? this hair, yeah, yeah. with, um, you know, tiny little, you know, dollar comb, it's not going to work. So, um, <laughs> but besides that, it's bare essentials, freeze-dried food. Um, then, of course, if you catch fish and everything out there, um, you know, I'm eating fish every day, um, which a fresh you know, northern caught walleye out of, you know, clear water and stuff. Nothing beats that. So I go do that. And then um, what I normally do is I go as far in as I can in a day or two. And then I base camp on one single lake and just try to fish that lake. And probably my favorite thing to fish for. I love fishing for walleye. I've caught big walleye, but I love lake trout fishing. And there are times where you might catch one a whole trip because they're, they're elusive. I mean, you got to have enough drifting. You got to have enough, you know, they will, they'll follow bait. They've done research on them. They'll follow bait for, you know, an hour sometimes before they decide they want to hit it or whatever. And, um, I'll never forget the first time I caught one, I was in my solo canoe and it drug, I kept telling people, it drug me around like an alligator. It was the biggest high ever, you know, and the boat, the poles like bending all the way over the side. And I had, (laughs) that was the first real time I had to learn how to use the drag on my reel and, that feeling is like, oh, I got another big one. Like, that's what um, is really cool going out there. Nice. Yeah. That, and I noticed a couple times ago, I was on a lake, middle of the lake, and um, there was no noise. Like, even here, when you think it's silent, it's mm. truly not silent. You have a buzz of this electronic or something. And, if you're and, anywhere around here, you've at least got, even from the distance, sound of the highway yeah, and mm-hmm, yeah. all of that. Because there's, there's still city. There's stuff going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and to just sit in that silence, it's weird because yeah. it's almost uncomfortable. No, let's. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is uncomfortable, but at the same time, now every trip I go, I look for that moment because it's not something I can grasp or, or find here ever, yeah. and it just kind of renews, um, rejuvenates you and renews your soul. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had a similar experience when I went out to Utah and just mm-hmm. being in the, the canyon lands and, and everything. Is now you're you're remote enough from anything mm-hmm. really going on? Yeah, and just the the peacefulness of that is almost just it's kind of takes your breath away. Like I was like, this is just it's unnatural right. yeah. from what you're uh-huh. used to. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. but but it's also really cool at yeah, the same time. Certainly, so. definitely, for sure. Now, w- when you're doing this, are you going by yourself? Um, no, I go with friends. Um, I so this is really nerdy, but um, I am on a board forum online. And there are people, you know, thousands of members, but I've made friends through that. So I'll go and hook up with them up in minute. We'll all meet up there. From, they're from all over the country. But now that, you know, we've met them and then there's a big group that I go up to just in Rockford, Illinois, and canoe up there. Okay. Um, you make these friends through that. But then, I mean, I've met them in person now, but um, at the time it was like, oh, you're... My screen name's Girl on a Rock, and um, so they're like, oh, you're Han Solo, or you're, you know, um, Kiborvi, just, you know, really weird. Got, like, yeah, handle. right, yeah, handles. Yeah, that's the way to describe it. So um, meet meet people up there, do that, and then I um, have a friend around here that'll go up too, and so, yeah, it's just a different group. And then I've made friends up in that area too, where even if I'm not canoeing or fishing, you know, you know, we have dinner or uh, get together, stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's fun, mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. So now you mentioned you've been to some different countries. Yes. You've traveled globally here. Yes. 
just for travel? Have you done any of those for like mission stuff or anything like that? Too, yeah. Or? So um, let's see. The first really big one, um, I went to Africa in college. I was a presidential scholar at Eastern Illinois University. And as part of that scholarship, yeah, they pay pay for everything for you to go there, but you have to do an experience. And that either right. included being away for a whole semester out of the Midwest um, was our rule. And you had to prove to them that it was an experience. Well, I had applied for this um, summer position out in New Hampshire two years in a row. And the first year I didn't get it because they um, – wanted you to be an upperclassman. So the next year I reapplied and they were taking like six to eight weeks to tell me whether I got this position or not. Mm. And finally I'm like, well, I'm going to start looking up other things to do. And you could go and volunteer in um, Africa as a part of this program. It was called um, Cross-Cultural Solutions. It wasn't um, faith-based or anything. It was just a a volunteer program. And um, the more I got looking into it, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I'm going to do that, you know? And then I wound up, they offered me the position in New Hampshire and I'm like, you know, so my dad's all, you know, wanted me to stay here where my mom's more of the, I get a lot of my spirit from her in a way of, you know, do what you want to do, you know, like, (laughs) I know it's dangerous, but you know, I'm not one to tell you what to do or whatever. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to Africa. So, um, I went to Africa for four weeks and, um, you fill out all these surveys and then they pair you with, a volunteer program over there that has already been built by the community themselves. So it's not volunteers coming in and creating this program or that program. The programs have already been built by local people and then they provide volunteers into those programs. They selected me to help at an elementary school and teach kids better reading and English and stuff. And they already know English. The area I was in, I went to Tanzania. Their main language is Kiswahili, but, um, they already knew English, but they wanted us to help teach them to read better. Mm-hmm. But um, it turns out it was summer break when we were there. So I'm like, what am I even doing here? Uh, it was like yeah. volunteer for the kids to even come to school. And then they had these exams. So like three days, I just sat in the room. And you only volunteered during the week days. So you had the weekends off. Um, so finally, the last week, I had heard about this other program. And they let us go there and help them. And it was all about older girls, I would say, Um you know, teenagers that had been over there, their education's different. You know, the girls are the first ones to, you know, not to go to school anymore Mm -hmm. and um, be at home or do things like that. And um, these girls were learning practical skills, like some wanted to be a secretary or, you know, so it's just simple computer skills, something around here that we would never, you know, strive to want to be, you know, sometimes like the one girl, she wanted to be, like a seamstress or something, you know, those are jobs or professions we don't even think about here a lot, oftentimes. So teaching them those skills to do, so it's more of a skill school. So I got to help out with that the last week. And then on the weekends I was over there, I got to go on a safari one weekend and um, nice. yeah, it was really cool. And then another weekend I got, there's an Island off the coast of there called Zanzibar uh-huh. and I got to go over there and it's like truly, um, you know, something you'd think was like this super expensive place because, but because of the poverty level there, like it costs us nothing, like 40 bucks a night to stay at this uh-huh. resort and you're on this beach and like gourmet meals. And we got to swim with dolphins and go to this spice plantation and learn, you know, all about where our spices come from. Like uh-huh. it, it, their main cash crop over there was like cloves, you know, which wow. we don't even think about. So yeah, just neat, neat. stuff like that. Yeah. And then I went to um, Mexico in college and that was just a group put together by a group of our friends a girl had gone down there every year with her church. So we decided to just get together and go down. 
and we helped build houses for this program down there. So we were building concrete houses. And then um, five or six years ago, I went on Missions missions Me, like WCIC broadcasts them a lot. And I went down to the one in Honduras, and that was for a week down there too. So since then, I haven't done anything like that. Now I go um, I go to Canada a lot mm-hmm. to fish and stuff, but I'm not doing any mission work up there. Yeah. <laughs> Just feeding my soul, basically. <laughs> so, That's important too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Any places that you are hoping to still travel to at uh, some point? Yes, I would love to get um, up into like Nanavit or like the northern, northern Canadian um, range. Uh, there's like really cool fishing up there. And then Alaska. I'd love to go to Alaska. Absolutely. Yeah. And then another one on my list is uh, Finland, just because I'm obsessed with those like northern light igloo things you see right. on Facebook. I'm like, that'd be cool also. That would yeah. be cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's on my list just because I've seen the northern lights a couple times, but they're, they've been, um, and they're eerie. They're like fascinatingly like, what is that? But so cool. But they've only been, I've only seen them, um, you know, maybe 20 minutes and, and where they're still kind of white and like barely green. So I've mm. not seen the full, you know, explosion of them. So. That would be neat. Yeah, I have, yeah. I've never experienced yeah. that either, but mm-hmm. that would be, yeah, that would be definite, pretty cool. Definitely something I want to make a point to get to see and how yeah. to do that, but go more north. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, otherwise in your spare time, mm-hmm. you told me you've got, now you're not married, but you do have lots of kids in your life. Yes. Yes. I have 10 nieces and nephews. Um, they range from, well, Isaac will be 12 this year, which is crazy. He's the oldest. And then, um, so my sister has two boys, they're 12 and actually Axel's birthday today. He's five. Hey, happy birthday. Yeah. And then, um, I've got, um, my youngest brother. So not Caleb, the one that you guys don't know. Mm -hmm. He has, um, 11 year old, a five year old and a newborn. She's um, let's see, she was born in October. So right around three or four months. And then Caleb, you know, he has five. So, um, and they live down. So I actually, I live with my parents right now and, um, in their basement, but that's another (laughs) story that's student loans will get for you. But anyway, Mm -hmm, um, my, uh, Caleb, they moved a couple doors down. So they have five Uh and they're six. Oh, let's see. Six, three, two, one, and seven months. So Jordan is like the saint at home there taking care of the little ones. So um, it's funny. I'll go over there for 10 minutes, like to drop something off or something. And then you're just sucked in. You're like there for two hours. But I mean, she appreciates it. I try to do, I probably see them most just because they're, they're there and she needs probably the most help a lot of times. So, yeah. How how is Caleb doing? So it's been a little bit since we've seen him here. He's doing great. Actually, I helped him. Their first big project is they're building fence and um he couldn't work on that yesterday because it was so nice you know but he has started building them a um big like playground set or whatever so i was helping him do that yesterday so he's good um you know i think he misses the relationships here um more more than anything but um yeah he's great yeah it was funny so i guess so he built the like the platform thing for the Mm -hmm. um playhouse and i said oh like you know because i don't get to use a drill often and when it is, it's like <laughs> twice, you know? So I'm like, Oh, I'll do, you know, he like got the boards placed and screwed in initially, but I had to run down the line to screw it all in, I guess. I don't know yeah. what that's called, but anyway, he was like, 
yeah, you can do that. I guess he didn't like it. I should have known then, but I'm like, sure, I'll do this. So my niece is handing me the nails, nails, the oldest one, and I can't get them started or not nails or screws. The screws, started. right, right, right. Yeah. I followed you. So anyway, they're like three or four inch <laughs> screws and I can't get them started. But then once you get started, they're great, you know, and they're going in. So I'm dropping them and every time I go to set a new one up and um, she looks at me and she goes, you're pretty horrible at this, <laughs> you know, out of a six-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I didn't go to school like your dad did for it, you know, and everything. We're laughing. And then it's funnier after that. Then she looks at me, and it's like maybe 20 seconds later, and she goes, yeah, I don't think you went to school at all, <laughs> you know. Ouch. <laughs> and so Caleb's like dying laughing. He's like, that's my daughter, you know. That's uh, awesome. So, yeah, it was a good time. It was a beautiful day outside and everything. Oh, so, yeah, no yeah. doubt. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of school, though, yes. W- what did you go to school for? Psychology, actually. Yes. Psychology. Yes. So Fascinating. Um, yes, it is fascinating. So um, originally, I wanted to be a school counselor, like in high school, and they're telling you, oh, you got to know what you want to do. Well, I had no idea. And I'm, um, I'm a type of person, I kind of, I get bored easily with things. So I'm like, what is going to captivate me the rest of my life? You know, I knew I needed a job that you know, every day you don't know what's coming at you, stuff like that. And um, I wanted to do school counseling because I had a school counselor that was really special to me through high school. And then I got to school, and to my knowledge, you had to, at the time, be a teacher before you could be a school counselor. So I was always really good at math. So I was, my original major was mathematics. So I did that for two years. Not this guy. And then I realized, yeah, um, I could just do it. So I switched to psychology. So at that point I had a degree in psychology, a minor in sociology, and I was one class away from a minor in math. And this kind of tells you kind of about my personality at the time, kind of perfectionist. And I've grown out of that a lot. I mean, I still strive, but I'm like, you know, life is life. But um, I was taking this math class. I was working almost full time at the time, plus taking a full caseload. And I was taking this math class. And this math class was like four or five hours of homework a night. And this oh, no. teacher was like kind of the grumpiest in the <laughs> in the department. But I got along with her at least. And I'm like, I can't keep doing this, but I need this class to say that I have a minor in math, you know, which now who cares, you know, but right, at the time right. it mattered so much to me. So I go in and she's like, what? And I immediately start crying, which I don't do until I'm like way stressed, you know, <laughs> she's like, what's wrong with you? Are you having a boy problems? I'm like, no, I said, <laughs> I explained, she goes, are you ever going to use this class for anything you're going to do in life? I'm like, no, not at all. She's like, well, so what do you need me just to tell you it's okay to drop it? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, okay, yeah, you're good. Get out of here. And that was it. And it was just like this relief. I'm like, okay, good. So yeah. Anyway, so I went, so I got my degree in psychology straight out of school. I was lucky enough to get a job doing casework. So uh, social work casework Mm. for foster care. So I did that. Um, I worked for Catholic Charities out of Peoria. And then a year into that, their contracts um, got canceled because of uh, different legislation and stuff that conflicted with their religious beliefs. And um, so they turned our agency. We were lucky enough that people left ahead of time, our CEO and everything left, to create Center for Youth and Family Solutions, which then we basically all walked in and got rehired to this like new job, but it was the same thing. We Mm -hmm. got to keep the same cases and everything. So I did that for two years. And, um, before you go on from there though, Mm -hmm. social work type Mm -hmm. stuff that, that can be difficult. Yes, it was. And if you're talking 
psychology? I mean, was that what you were, what were you actually doing in there? So I had a caseload of um, 17 kids that were all in foster care. And our main objective is to either provide the parents services through the court to get them um, renewed to a point in which the children could go back home with them. Or if the parents weren't doing what they were supposed to um, in a matter of time, they their rights are terminated. And then my job as the worker is to then get the children placed in adoptive homes and get them adoptive. So basically my main work goal was for the children and what was best for them. And then my mm-hmm. sec, um, second part of it was, you know, I worked a lot with the biological parents in order to get them better to a point where they were safe to have yeah. their own children. So yeah, that could be very rough. It was what I was looking for and the fact that you never knew what was going to happen right. every day. But um, that's it's it, that can be very emotionally draining. Yes. And that's what happened. Um, I got, um, I think at the time, I loved the job, but at the time, I look back now that I'm not doing it, I'm like, wow, you were wired out of control anxiety <laughs> and just really mm-hmm. bad. But um, I had gotten into a new church at that point in time, and that was probably the the time in my life most where I had met with a woman and we were talking about my life and everything that was going on. And there was some personal stuff going on at work too. And, and it was just like clear as day. God was like, you're done. You, you cannot do this job anymore. And Mm -hmm. I literally went and resigned that day. I mean, I gave them my, in that type of position, just to best care for your clients. I gave them a month's notice, but it was that day that I walked in and said, I'm resigning, which was a shock to everyone because it was a shock to me, but it was one of those things that I've never looked back because I knew that was what was supposed to happen. Yeah. And um, so then I worked on and off for a little bit doing um, side jobs. And then um, I, so before I came here, which was almost two years ago now, um, I worked and I lived in and I did a, I was a live-in caregiver for an elderly lady for five years. And I lived in her upstairs and then she lived downstairs and I took care of her. And then her daughter and son-in-law lived next door. So I'd like, clean their house and watch their dog too. And it was really funny how it all came around because he was my vice principal in high school. So that's how they like the knew that they could trust me to do that job or Uh whatever. So I never imagined I would do that. Um, And it, it grew me in a lot of different ways. That sounds Um, very stretching. Yes. Yeah. Just because, um, you know, there's not a day even now. So Aggie passed away. uh, Not not just this December, but the December before that. And um, there's not a day that something doesn't remind me of her or make me think of her, you know, make me laugh or whatever, just because, um, you know, she was elderly. So she wasn't, um, she had suffered some strokes prior to me working with her and gone through a gauntlet of health things while I was with her. But, you know, she was never the full woman that everyone knew her to be when she was younger. But, Mm. you know, there was still enough in her that I, you know, got to know who that was and everything. And her, um, daughter and son-in-law who hired me, they are really good people. They, they taught me a lot about just life and family. And, um, you know, they could have put her in a home long ago and, and they, they didn't, they, they, uh, used their resources and time to care for their family and, you know, made me a part of their family, you know, for that mm-hmm. time that I was there. And, you know, because technically I was an employee, but the lines are so, you know, that gets very blurred. And, at yeah. That point, blurred. Right? Yes. Yeah, would be a better word. Um, but they were, really, really good people. And they treated me very well and very fair. That's, and, um, that's awesome. Yeah, so really, really cool. And then now I'm here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you're here now doing the, the night stuff. And I've got to say, 
<clears throat> now Paige is sitting here in the room with us mm-hmm. right now, and Hi, and Paige. she she, <laughs> she takes in a lot of these own it moment phone calls, and I, I just know overhearing and then seeing some of these own it moments that come out. Mm-hmm. Your name comes up a lot, Kirsten. That's what she said. <clears throat> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you've you've got yourself in a position where I feel like when you're kind of the driver's potentially only hope mm-hmm. at this point in time, yeah, you get to have a lot more impactful uh, interactions, yeah, potentially, but not just those things that are, are part of the job. You have gone outside of the job. Well, to to go above and beyond. Yeah, but I mean, most of them are things that I mean. I think kind of, and it, it all goes back to um, you know Brent has said, and his dad always said, you know, um, you treat your employees right, everything else will, you know, come out in in the wash, basically. And um, it's not the direct quote, but that's how I uh, take it in my head. Good but enough. anyway, so you know, I just always, I mean, like you said, the position and just the hours that I work puts me in a unique position to. Um, to make decisions to try to help people the best that I can with situations that you're like, I couldn't even make this up, you know, and, and just trying to go above and beyond to do what do for them, what, you know, I, I would, I would want done for me. So um. but I, can't, I don't think everybody would just drop what they're doing to go pick up somebody or well, go drop them off somewhere. So that was a different, so that was, that was, uh, I don't think she'll mind, but that was Donna. So anyway, Donna Gardner was around. And um, what's funny about that was right around Christmas time, she wound up having to, you know, go to the hospital for some things. And um, I had called her and she's always, um, it's funny. And I've told her this too, but like, she reminds me of my grandma, but my grandma, I mean, Donna's not old enough to be my grandma, but she reminds me of my grandma, how my grandma was before my grandma passed away. And she's been gone for almost 16 or 17 years now. And um, just her, just her attitude and her, and you know, she just a lot like my grandma. And so that night when I found out that she was going to be there and um, you know, she doesn't live here. So none of her family could be here, but I knew that she was close with her family. So I just called her and I said, here's my cell phone. If you need anything, you know um, you know, let me know because I was going into my period where I had with my work rotation um, the next few days off. So um Anyway, so she had called me the one morning. She, I need a coffee. This food is horrible. You know, I'm like, okay, you know. So, you know, I've I've been, you know, or been around people or in, in situations where, you know, they don't have someone to be with them. And here she is in a different town and, mm-hmm. and alone in the hospital. I'm like, you know, I'm up for a good chat, you know. So I like to talk. So I I went and chatted with her and I brought her a coffee. And um, then turns out the next day she was getting out. And, and anytime, you know, people get you know, in and out of the hospital, even when we're dealing with other drivers, when that occurs around here, you know, oftentimes they have to get a prescription. They have to do this. Well, that right. makes it right. a nightmare on the, on when you're working the dispatch in of, well, how do I pay for the Uber to get her there? And then what if it takes an hour for a prescription and then, and then an Uber to get this and then an Uber, you know, and then when it's all on a Saturday or Sunday night, mm-hmm. there's a certain times where that's all on call. So then the driver has to call, go through our messaging system. And I said, let me know when you're getting out. I'll go get you or whatever. And so um, that's that's what wound up happening. So in my mind, it was like not a big deal, but um, you know, I, I could see where. But the, you guys would say that it is. <laughs> I don't know, well, you know, and and then and the other part of it too is I enjoyed it. You know, yeah, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out and get to know Donna better. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. So anyway, 
Yeah. But, um, well, and that's so, yeah. that's one of those things where I mean, I don't think you're the only person that would have done right. something like yeah. that around mm-hmm. here. And and that's one of the awesome things about the people that we get to work yeah, with. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. But still, just just of your own personal time to mm-hmm. to do that and and help somebody out that you know you may not even know super well. I mean, you you would know yeah. them from a working relationship, right? But, yeah. Well, but, and it was a female too. I mean, if a male was like, you know, that's a whole sure, other story. Sure. But yeah, but I mean, it was just but, one of those the, things the that played that, out that way. The impact that you had on on her, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm sure Donna could vouch for this, but I'm I'm sure that meant a lot to her. Yeah. Um, we've, we've chatted since then. She's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've talked with Donna a couple mm-hmm. of few times when she's through here, but you know, I, I do think though, that that is something that you didn't just start doing because you were working here at news bomb. That's, that's something that's been ingrained in you. Something that I'm sure your parents had something to do with yeah. instilling that kind of helpful, you know, compassionate right. uh, spirit. Uh, in yeah, so yeah, I got I, some good mom and pops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they yeah. did all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and just not just that, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna be 32 this year, and you know, I'm you know not married or anything, and I just want to do for others what I would, you know, um, like some, you know, just being taken care of every once in a while is sure. a nice thing, and so I mean, that's just part of it. I try to live my, you know, just. I might be a female, but I hold the door open for somebody because that's what I would want them to do for me, you know? Yeah. So, and and I get that from my mom and dad. So, yeah. yeah. So before we wrap up here, I, mm-hmm. since you are in the unique position that you are overnight mm-hmm. uh, and you get that, especially that midnight to 6 a.m. kind of time to yourself uh, outside of getting the, the handful of calls that you get, what, what do you want to share, especially to the drivers you've probably experienced some different things that they're going through, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and when it's getting late at night, there's, there's fewer and fewer options right. available to them. Yeah. And, and now they've got you, mm-hmm. they may have some sort of breakdown service, you know, the, mm-hmm. to, to help them or whatever's going on. Right. But I would think that from that end, you know, if I'm needing something right now, mm-hmm. Yeah, call in. I mean, I, that's what I, I mean. There's, if, it's a little bit more dis- despairing feeling like, you yeah. know, like, you know, mm-hmm. am I going to get the help that I need? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I I mean, we're there. I mean, obviously, um, so I, I try to take my lunch before Dave leaves. So, um, and I think Chris does the same. So that way there's no, um, you know, overlap. I do take a 15, 20 minute break between midnight and 6 a.m. So if you don't get anyone between that time, keep calling. But no, I would say call in because also what I found that I can utilize best because when I first started the first six months, um, you know, I had to make a couple of overnight calls to like Brent Martin or mm-hmm. or Doug Bradle, um in the middle of the night and you feel horrible for it you know, waking somebody up. But now yeah. I've learned just from knowing who's available to me. I know who runs overnight. I know who likes to run overnight, even if they don't have an overnight run. So there's often times where, yeah, it might be that driver that needs to call and it might be me sitting there trying to figure out an issue, but I have resources to call somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like Randy Pugh, or I've called Darla in the middle of the night. Cause I knew she was on the Cameron run, you know, and these people that have been around long enough to, might know an answer that I don't know, or that guy might not know, you know? So oftentimes other drivers are my best resources in that's, those times. And that's, a, that's um, fantastic. I mean, yeah. just the, the, the idea that now that you've been doing this long enough mm-hmm. that you've, you've picked up on some of those nuances. And, and you can only gain that from being here. I mean, that's not something you, you can be taught you right. know, overnight, but that's, that's kind of, that's kind of neat. Just, the helping connected driver, maybe with another driver using that mm-hmm. resource. And I want to give a 
huge shout out to our drivers as well. Yeah. Uh, for for being available like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got our, our road captains, but not just them. Right. You know, so many of you guys out there that are, are willing to offer up the help and support yeah. whenever other drivers are needing it. That's that's what we need. Mm-hmm. That's what the industry needs. Right. You know, is just more support. Certainly. You know, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've called Steve Artno or Ar- Artino. Artino. Yeah. yeah. I can never say his last name right. Um, because he knows recap like the back of his hand. Yeah. And that's something that um, I was struggling with and struggling with. And um, and then some of our link systems weren't matching up with the geotab system. So there was never really a direct place I could go and look to show me that this guy was going to get time back or not, you know? And then finally, about six weeks ago, uh, well, it might've been longer than that. It was before the holidays. I called Steve and he said something and it clicked and I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it now, you know? And like, it's just so there, there are certain drivers where I know specialize in different things or like Randy Pugh, I've called him about CHI stuff because he's run out of there. And, and really before I used to call, um, the one guy is not here anymore, Frankie, because mm-hmm. he loved his CHI loads, you know? So, and, it, and, it, um, you know, all drivers are, are different and there are so many different personalities and different things, but you learn to know yeah. their strengths and, and their weaknesses and, and, and learn to know who you can call in certain situations and, um, you know, just treat them, you know, as respectfully as you can that mm-hmm. way. You can't like when we have to repower a load at night and stuff, I mean, technically we're forced to dispatch. So technically I can call a guy and say, you got to do this, but I like cannot do that because it in my mind and, and in the unique position that I'm in at night that, that, um, I don't know, it like puts you in, like, I'm not in authority over these guys, you know, and I need them a lot of times more than they need me. And so I always like, there'll be nice where I call like 10 guys. Hey, can you do this? Could you do this? You know? And then finally you mm-hmm. always find up finding a, the yeah. solution. But, um, for me to call and tell somebody, oh, you got to do this. And yep. and I'm like, it's more of I've, trying to convince them, you want to do this, please. Like, <laughs> it would help me. And then there's other times where you call yeah. and you're like, this guy is going to say no. And then you're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, sweet. You know, that was easy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've been in that, mm-hmm. that those yeah, situations before. Yeah. And yeah, oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's the worst when you're like, I um, right. I know you've, only right. been off for this amount yeah, of time, I know, but, but please really <laughs> yeah. need some help. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and I guess in a way, I mean, that comes back to the own it stuff. Like, you know, we're all covering for each other in different ways. I might be the middleman between a couple of drivers, but, but they're, you know, we're all employee owned and that, you know, if I'm helping this guy out, you know, maybe, you know, in two months I might need him for something because I did something for him that I might not even remember or recall even happened because we deal with so many. There's on occasion, some guys will come in at night and be like, remember I talked to you two weeks ago about this? And I'm like, I forgot that happened, you know, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, um, you know, you never know when that will come back around and, Mm-hmm. and assist you know and assist in assisting someone else so, yeah. well and i like how you, earlier you said you know treating other people the way you would want to be mm-hmm. treated yeah. and and i think that that goes a long way here to just respect each other mm-hmm. uh help each other out i love that we've got this own it yeah it's uh, a cool thing you know program just, i love submitting people for it i, I like tried i'm like they're okay i gotta make this the best writing i've ever done <laughs> just like i love the way you wrote that i'm like i thought it had to be creative so they get picked you know <laughs> and that's cool and, and we've seen tons of these nominations coming mm-hmm. and people just 
recognizing people going out of their way. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's part of us being purpose-driven, owning it as employee owners. Mm -hmm. Uh, So cool to see and so cool to have people like you uh, there, especially in in that unique position Mm -hmm. overnight uh, to be there ready to help out the driver. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so cool. And it's great to have someone like mm-hmm. you in that position. Okay. And, 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 and like Chris, uh, you know, we'll get mm-hmm. Chris in here at some point too. I yeah, think. And, right. um, you know, he came in off the road mm-hmm. and now he he's, did. he's doing this yeah. as well. So, and um, Dave, I mean, he was there, yeah. you know, long before we were, and he, I mean, people are there, don't you love Dave? I'm like, yeah, I love Dave. Like Dave's awesome. You know, he, he's, he's such a, um, help and he's the type of guy that, I mean, you could walk over there right now and be like, Dave, I need your shirt. And he'll be like, okay. You know, I mean, he Dave truly would so give just you like, the shirt off his back. He's so yeah. chill. Mm-hmm. So easy yeah, going. He is. He is right? chill, which helps me because I get all like, I get revved up at night. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is going on, you know. And Dave's like, uh-huh. How about this? And I'm like, you're a genius, you know. So, yeah. so my personality is a little woo. <laughs> but Dave, Dave, Dave's always there to be like, it'll be all right. <laughs> so. So one last question here. Yes. You, you share a desk with your dad. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you wish that he would do different with the desk? Uh, no, actually. Well, so I don't like the keyboard, but I've told him that, but it's no big <laughs> deal. And I have the option to switch keyboards every night if I wanted to, but I'm like, I am not going through that hassle. But anyway, no, actually, that was funny when we first, um, I first started working here. I'm like, okay, in a way that's good because like I know who the person is, but in right. the other way, like growing up and everything like um, – me and my dad probably butted head way more than like me and my mom. Like I got along with my mom. My mom is a great, like you couldn't make up my mom. She is amazing. <laughs> but so me and my dad and part of it is we're a lot alike. So mm-hmm. we butted heads a lot growing up. So then as an adult, I'm like, okay, I'm over all these things, you know? And then um, they're like, oh, you're going to share a desk with your dad. And I'm like, I tell my mom, like, how's this going to go, you know? But it's gone amazing. It's still that <laughs> flitter of, like, I'm not 13 anymore, you know? And and, and it's like, I, I shared this with my dad. That's cool, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And he's always, um, there's there's times, which I think he started coming in early, because there's times where I'm like, I'm going to be there at a quarter till. Like, he's like, I'm getting my stuff, you know? He's leaving. And I'm like, okay, get out of here, you know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's it's gone really well and Good. and it's better than Good. sharing a desk with a stranger if yeah you me i can tell you this if, if <laughs> yeah. i had to share a desk with my dad uh-huh. here yeah I, i've go. seen his desk <laughs> and it wouldn't handle it this would not work it would not fly <laughs> not at all and i know That's he's listening funny. to this right yeah, now. yeah i know yeah so uh, you could say that <laughs> we, we would not be able to do that right it just wouldn't work two, two very different competing yes uh-huh. you know ways of, of doing yeah. things mm-hmm. there but yeah, yeah so great. no we all we have our own drawers and stuff like that and then sometimes <laughs> so the vending machine out there is like not user-friendly sometimes so stuff will get stuck up okay and then you have to like try to buy the thing next to it or the thing behind it to try to push it out so on occasion like every two months or so i'll find my desk drawer full of like stuff and they're all from the vending machine and some of it is something i'd like and the other i'm like why would he even pick that and then i'm like oh yeah the vending machine went haywire so he'll load up my desk <laughs> like treats at night because the vending machine has gone crazy you gotta buy the snickers so. just to get your bag of cheetos right yeah exactly so it's funny <laughs> which mm-hmm. i would take both of those right. things but just mm-hmm. saying yeah yeah so. and it's helpful too like um even last week when we did that like angie's doing that five dollar thing yeah yeah she's like I don't see you. Can I leave it with your dad? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You yeah. know, it makes it, you know, a lot easier. Yeah, I have stuff with your dad like all that. the time. Yeah, for, for yeah. Year too, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so. Well, neat. Uh, Kirsten, I, I didn't 
we haven't had a whole lot of time to right. get FaceTime get to together. Know each other. Yeah. Uh-huh. This, so yeah. it's been kind of neat uh-huh. learning a little bit about you. And I'm sure there's a lot that we didn't get to yeah. uncover, <laughs> but, um, but don't want to, you know, hold you and take too much of yeah. your time, but thank yeah. you. Uh, for coming in and, and sharing a bit. Yeah, thanks and for having me. Thanks for what you do uh, here with the company and, and owning it. Uh, so cool. And I, I don't doubt I will continue to hear more and more own it nominations with your name attached to them, yeah. wh- whether you nominating <laughs> or someone nominating so you. Like, but uh, that's, <laughs> I, I think that's great. Uh, so thanks. thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you around. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully I'm not here at midnight, but yeah, all right. <laughs> Our paths don't cross a whole lot, but, yeah. but, cool. uh, anyway, have fun. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, well. Keep doing your thing all right. and we'll Will see do. you around. Yeah. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to terminal exchange, the official podcast show of new transportation. New is an industry leader in over the road freight transportation. For more information on NewsBomb's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to NewsBomb.com or NewsBombJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.